Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a world, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Fresh new song. MJ Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. We're waiting for New York Times author Vincent Zandri to call in. Vincent has a milestone today. His 100th book came out, and we're looking to talk about that and a lot more. And I'm going to tell him to call in because we're on the air. And that's it. Okay. Well, let me tell you about something exciting that happened to me. My book, Accusations, Faces Behind the Stones, Accusations, is now on Amazon. I have a couple of five-star reviews. It's told from the point of view of the dead person behind the gravestone. And I am still waiting for New York Times author Vincent Zandri to call in. Call in on the air. On the air. I sent him the number. I'll send him again. 347 884 Oh, four five. Eight, three, four, seven, eight, four, nine, oh, four, five. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Hallelujah. Yay. Hi. <laughs> We're on the air. <laughs> I know. You know what? I, I, in typical Vince fashion, I, I, I ran out for a quick run. Think I'd be back at like 10 of 10. <laughs> and so, you know, I got my time screwed up again. Yeah, it's okay. My life is whatever. <laughs> um, oh, I know. So, and now, I, and now, and now, just like you, I have more dentist issues. You know something? This is yeah. I, I have a um, ethical question that I'm going to ask of a different person later. Because okay. what can I say? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about pulp fiction. But first of all, a hundred titles, really? Oh my God! 110 or 110 or more. Yeah, I think you. Have, I think you have about 500 titles. To be honest, I don't and, think you have 100. I mean, right now I'm working on two more anyway, so there's 112 minimum. Well, I'm excited because the accusations came out on Tuesday, and I got one five star review, and I got a whole bunch of people that bought it on Kindle, and we'll see what happens. And That's I've great. Got a, yeah, I got to deliver some to the pharmacy down the block because the girls want it. And I delivered yeah. four of them to a different pharmacy, and they all took them. So we'll see. Oh, that's terrific. So how would that's you great. define Pulp Fiction? This is different. You know, there's another genre that I'm getting, and I never had it before. It's called sci-fi fantasy. It's really weird. Yeah, that's included in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is the term yeah. originated Pulp Fiction from the 20s, 30s, um, mm-hmm. when – um, people needed cheap entertainment, especially during the Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar to now. 
I mean, you know, like, you know, nobody has money for anything. Um, So cheap entertainment is the way to go. And so what they used to do is the publishers of these magazines um, would publish on cheap, cheap, the cheapest kind of paper possible, which was called, you know, which was made from, from regurgitated uh, pulp. And so they became known as, you know, so you read it on this cheap, cheap, cheap stock, and it was, it ended up being, being called pulp fiction. Um, wow. And these, and these are, uh, these, you know, it's mystery stories, westerns, mm-hmm. adventures, romances, science fiction, fantasy. It's all the genre fiction, you know. Um, but the, the what makes what makes pulp fiction different from say uh you know the normal mystery or thriller writer of say even 10 years ago 10 to 12 10 10 20 years ago is that now pulp fiction is sort of back because of uh mm. you have you know you can write as many books as you want as fast as you can um and people gobble people like you gobble serial readers gobble them up so you know mm. you you can if you start your own imprint you can make a, a nice living again and and back in the 20s and 30s um authors like you know like Lovelace and and mm. uh um all those guys were um they were some of them became millionaires during the depression they put out so much work some of them even started their own publishing houses and they were the only author for that publishing mm. house much like today much like today so uh so when i when i say i write at pulp speed that means i write between, you know, 2,000 and 4,000 words a day, every day. Um, I wish. No, no, even Christmas. I wish I could write 2,000 words in a week. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it used to be. See, we've become, writers have become trained, at, mm-hmm. at least through writing schools and things like that. We've become yeah. trained to be lazy. Like, imagine, like, imagine, like, uh, and I didn't come up with this. This I didn't come up with this analogy, but um, mm-hmm. someone else did. They, they said, "Imagine, like, if you were a lawyer, and you said <laughs> to your boss, I can I I can only handle one case a year.'" He'd say, "Well, hit the road." Or what if you were like a, a construction, you know, a mason, and you say, "Well, I can only work on one building a year." They tell you to hit the road. You know, so it's it's. It's very possible to write a book a month, if not two, and that's part-time. Well, all I could say is that I read at least 200 books a year. That's pretty good. Right. Maybe more. That's, that's incredible. That's my – yeah, I know. What can I say? Um, I just learned to speed read, and then went to speed reading yeah. school. But oh, you, you know did? what? Yeah, yeah, it's a long story. Speed reading is good, but my my form of speed reading is is interesting. <laughs> so yeah, these, these these characters are different, and like I said, there's another. I I got three books that I read only one because I don't want to read the other two. Um, it's called right. sci-fi fantasy, where the characters are all people but animals, and the animals oh, go okay. on stage and they deal. It's scary. So how do you create your characters? And is it? And how does it differ from horror? Um. 
Well, sometimes there's a horror component, naturally. It depends yeah. on the story. But but um, I think I, I, in general, come up with, like, like, like I wrote these three stories. They're long stories. They're like 100 pages apiece uh, about a guy who who dies, but he wakes up. He, he doesn't go to heaven or hell. He, he becomes a part of the metaverse, mm. which is becoming big now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, he's trying to, but but I'm using the metaverse as like a time travel mechanism. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. he dies. He dies in 2054. But mm-hmm. and 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 it so happens that he's a writer, and by 2054, writing has become so democratized that that no one makes money from it anymore. Like, there's no publishing mm-hmm. houses anymore. There's no nothing. So he's forced to rob a bank. And in the process of robbing a bank, he ends up running a girl over, or a woman, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, on his getaway. Mm-hmm. And so he's wanted for murder. But then, like a second after that, he hits the back end of a semi and dies. Okay, so that's that's the beginning of it. And so, but he wakes up not not like in heaven or hell. He wakes up in the old west. And somehow, somehow because it's the metaverse and your program, he knows how to handle the old West. He knows how to handle six gun mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. And, and, and guess who's on his trail for the murder? Cause his murder follows him into the metaverse. Um, Wyatt Earp is after him. So, oh God. you know, yeah. So like I'm able to do all these different things with this, with this new kind of, um, genre with with this pulp fiction genre that I was never able to do before. Mm. It's very liberating for me. And like, I don't think a traditional publisher would touch this stuff in a, you know, at all, you know, so I do it under my own bare media label and I just have a blast Mm. with it. So I've written, I've written three of them. One Mm -hmm. takes place in the old West. Excuse me. I'm just taking a drink of water. One takes place in the old West. Another one takes place way in the future on a, on a ship bound for Mars. Mm. And, an, and another one, he dies in 2054, but he goes back in the future to 2020. And it's, this is the newest one, and it's called Cashless Bail. But, but like Einstein said, if, if we are able to go back in time, mm. um chances are it, things will be the same but different because certain elements will have changed. You, you, you know, like the, it, it will, I'm not sure that, the, you know, there's, there's like metaphysics involved or whatever. But So anyway, mm-hmm. he goes back in time to 2020. And, like, I just use the cashless bail thing as, like, um, there's just mayhem in the streets. You know, like, you know, there's just – um, crime is just so rampant that it's just it's just crazy. And also, there's a virus that's you know like the COVID nineteen thing, but it's way mm-hmm. worse. There's body ba- there's body bags in the streets and all that sort of stuff. And oh uh, god! But it's interesting because like this guy goes back in time to 2020 when he was like originally 12 years old, and he gets to meet his father. You know. Uh, who eventually dies from the virus and all this sort of stuff. So it's it's just it's 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 so much fun. You can just do whatever you want. 
There are times I wish I could go forward and just forget the present. And oh, be sure. in my own meta universe. Yep. <laughs> and there are times well, we I wish I could send some people into the, another universe. <laughs> but you can't, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to so, send several dentists into, into the somewhere. Oh, well, this God. is the hardest part for a lot of people, especially me. Um, doing book reviews is a piece of cake. I read right. the book, and and as I'm reading your book, and I can't wait to get the three you just said, and I really have a message for book mail. Where are my books, people? I'm really like, where are they? Um, I, I just wonder sometimes how you just sit down and focus. I mean, I could focus on a book review. I could read a book. I could read 400 pages in two hours and write a book review right. and give questions. But how do you sit right. down and come up with an idea each day that is different? How do you just sit there? How many hours a day do you write? Like 20? No. <laughs> no, I write prob- probably. Yeah, and don't forget, I freelance too. I have one freelance gig that takes me an hour a day. Oh, um, God. <laughs> I, I write about, yeah, that's the one that pays. It's, it's a great gig. And it, that's the one that, like, you know, pays my rent and allows me to buy Bitcoin and invest money and all sorts of stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but anyway, um, I write probably about three and a half to four hours a day altogether. But the, but I write in, I write I write in sprints, like fifteen to twenty minutes sprints, and then I take a break. You know, I can't I can't sit there for an hour in the chair and continue. Mm. And physically, it's impossible for me to do that. I have to. To do it in sprints. Well, I came up with the cure for that. I take my cell phone. See, my my computer has a habit of making reviews disappear. A lot of things <laughs> disappear. No, I'm serious. And one, well, of the, one of the tours yesterday said, where's your review? I go, I don't know. It's somewhere. It took me a while to find it in there. But I take my, my oh, notepad yeah. and I write the review on my notepad. So this way I can write for 10 minutes in the car and not have to worry about it. So... This sure. is my. I mean, I've read everything you've written, but I love Moonlight. He's like. Yeah, so I got, cool. get, they will get you a copy of Down and Out. We'll get you a copy of Moonlight Runs. Uh, probably no later than next week. I'm going to look for it. And if the post office doesn't bring it, I'm going to scream at them because they haven't been bringing me anything. They brought me They've one book that Bruce Coffin mentioned something on Facebook, so I'm reading that one now. That's all I'll say about that. And there's another one uh-huh. that's written in different dialect, which is really different. And who knows? Right. So Moonlight, what category would you say he fit into? And what about your Chase Baker series? That's different from everything else, because I like that one right. too. Yeah, Chase, ba- Chase Baker is pri- primarily action adventure and mystery and thriller, whereas... Dick Moonlight is primarily mystery and action adventure and thriller. Does that make mm. sense to you? Um, they yep, all have does. action adventure in them. They all have action adventure in them, and they all have a mystery to solve, mm. and they all have thrills and spills, and they all have romance, um, and some some of it just plain unadulterated sex. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. my mother says she skips. My mother says she skips those parts, and uh, you know, so they they all fall into the same 
they all they all live under the same roof, but mm. they have uh, different. But they have their own rooms. They all have different kind of personalities. You see, right? Oh, oh for sure. Great. Like you yep. want him as your friend because if somebody does something wrong with to you, he's going to take care of it. Absolutely. So, yep. Uh, yeah, he's and, we'll, he's and he's he's a little untethered. I know. That's why I like him. Yeah, and I think that's he, his charm. He did you ever write a character? My favorite character. Well, I I taught writing reading for for a thousand years, and my favorite thing was to read with my sixth grade class Dracula, the original. Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, they did. They, they I can't believe scared. I have never read it. This this oh this this class was a bunch of geniuses. I won't say when I taught yep. them. And they were all on yeah. Facebook telling me that I was wonderful still. But we read Dracula. Uh-huh. We read To Kill a Mockingbird. We read a whole bunch yeah, of stuff that, that I was in trouble. Uh, I, uh-huh. And Edgar Allan Poe. Every story. Oh, awesome. So, awesome. I mean, I, it's, it's it's amazing. But you never wrote a character like that. Or what about a character like Edgar Allan Poe would write? I love him. He's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, anything's up for grabs. I mean, um, you know. Um, I'm overdue for, uh, like another psychological thriller, like the girl who Mm -hmm. wasn't there kind of thing or a paradox lake. Um, Mm, I love that one. Yeah. The problem with paradox lake was ocean view screwed it up so bad. They, um, Uh they build it, they build it as a Gillian Flynn style novel and it is so not, it is much more like a Stephen King novel. And like people were like, yeah. And people were like, WTF, this isn't a Gillian Flynn novel. So, like, I left them. I was like, you're fired. <laughs> you know, like, I'm never working with you again. You know, like, it, you know what it, because you know what it told me? Not on my being public with it. It told me they probably read the first few pages of Paradox, like, and they're like, let's get a rights grab. Let's, let's pick this up immediately, you know. And uh, I got my advance, and that's all I got, you know, and, yeah. Well, aren't so they that, supposed the to read the whole book before they determine what to call it? Yeah, but I mean, I know I agree with do. you because there are a lot of people that review books and just say, "I hated the book. I read the first chapter." Well, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, they, in general, and agent agents will do this too. And this now we're in like the the writer's life zone here, right? Um, where I tell the truth because I've been into this for so long. Um, an agent in publishing houses will generally read the, your first novel, and a, a team of people will read your first novel. Mm-hmm. After that, after that, they usually don't read another thing. They oh just, God! They just they they just assume that it's gonna it's it's something. They don't bother with it. They don't take the time with it, and they and it just goes out. And oftentimes, they fuck it up. And that's what, you know, in 2023, if you're still dealing with that kind of nonsense, plus at the same time, they don't want you writing more than one or two books a year. And that's unsustainable for anybody if you want to make a living. So in 2023, if you're still dealing with that kind of thing, you're crazy. You know, you're crazy. You can definitely be a hybrid author. You can do both. You know, I do both. But mm-hmm. um, but I definitely, definitely um place 80% of my attention on my own label because um, it's 2023. You've got AI tools like, like Hemingway and 
mm-hmm. and Grammarly and 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 um, now they they're doing Google narration, which is which is AI. And some, from what I'm told, <clears throat> some of the voices are better than the human voices. And I, you know, you hate <laughs> to say that, but but these are tools that authors like me should be using, you know, um, and be, especially I'll tell you. You know, you have to. You're running a business here uh, because it'll save you on your bottom line. You know, mm. um, and we're, we're all running a business, and we all want to make money. We all want to make investments, and uh, you know, um, you don't have to go the traditional route at all anymore. And that's that's the, that's the beautiful, beautiful. That 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 brings us back to pulp mm. fiction. Brings us back to pulp fiction and writing as fast as you want. Write clean copy the first time, um, and get it out there. Get it out to the public. I did, one of the uh, one of the rules of pulp, pulp fiction came about by this guy Heinlein. Have you heard of mm-hmm. him? They were, he, yeah. Heinlein's yeah Heinlein's uh-huh. rules were something like I think they went something like I'll probably screw this up, but it, I think the first one is you must write, and the second one is like. Um, Maybe you must write clean copy the first time. Uh, the mm-hmm. second one is you, you must not edit unless it's to, like, an editor mandate. And, like, the fourth one is you must mm-hmm. pu- you must publish your work. And the fifth one, I think, is you must keep your work published at all costs, all the mm-hmm. time. And you'd be surprised how hard it is for people to follow these rules. What happens if you have a book? I published... Mostly mine with um, a self-publishing company. That's excellent. Yep. And then the, the population zero, I made a mistake. Uh, someone, had, I won't say which which New York Times author used this particular independent publishing company, but I know I got yeah. it was wrong. It, the book came out okay, but the editing department and the people that they assigned did nothing to help me with the plot. And yeah, they did nothing at the end not. except charge me an awful lot of money for this independent publishing. Yeah. So the last right. one, the one I just did with Fidelity, came out fantastic. And what really, you know, honored me, like I said yesterday, I brought some to one of the pharmacies, and I right. just happened to be standing there with the book, and I was was with somebody else, and this girl said, "No, we're taking all four of them. Just bring more for the other people. Don't worry about it." They went complete. <laughs> it's the first time that ever happened. I go like, "Oh my God." All I find sometimes is that, and I agree with you, sometimes I read how many people's books the same, you know, same author, and from whatever publishing company, whatever you just said before, um, it's the same character, just a different plot. So I could tell that they didn't do anything to change it up. Right. For most of them. So typical. So typical. It really is. Not, it's just, it's, yeah, not everyone is the same, but like a lot of them I go like, wait a minute, didn't I just read that in the other book? And what happens? Isn't this character ever going to change? And then I look at them and go like, why do I have to? And I finish the book. I won't write something negative, but I sure won't give it five right. if it's the same. Right. So right. here's the next one. How does it feel to have 100 titles? Seriously. Um, I... It, it's amazing because, like, when you get to the point where you can't even make mm-hmm. a clear accounting, because I'm not a spreadsheet guy. Like, if mm-hmm. I if I if I were to do this right, I would have a spreadsheet with each title, sales, 
you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole bit. I don't do any of it. But um, when you get to that point, you're just like, all right, now I know I, if I could do 110, and most of the, that mm-hmm. 110 I've written over the course of the past five years or four years. So that, and I'm on this four, five-year plan. I'm a year into it, and I'm, I hope to have 250 titles. Um, I'm 58 now. By the time I, by the time I turn 62, I hope to have 250 titles. And if you, you know, and good books. I'm not talking like I'm just regurgitating the word, you know, crap 60,000 mm-hmm. times. I mean, really good books and good ideas. Um, some. 80% of those will be through my bare media label. 20% of those will be through a publisher. Um, but I hope mm. by the time I turn 62 that 100% of them are through my own label, and that's it. Um, but in any case, um, but do the math. Um, like mm. if you have 250 intellectual products um, and, you know, you even make a dollar a day off each one of them, on average, you know, because some are going to sell and others aren't. But on yeah. average, even if you do it, even if you do a dollar a day, that's two hundred fifty dollars a day. You know, and so add, do the math times thirty. That that's what I was wondering about royalties. I was so excited today. I got seventeen dollars and thirty six cents for ten books that I sold. Very on. Nice. I was excited. <laughs> I was even more excited when I got thirty five something last week. And how do you know? How do you know that they're giving you the right amount? I could have sworn uh, that more of it, yeah, more of this particular title sold more. And the other day, when as, as, uh, accusations came out, five authors said, and I had no idea they were going to do it. They bought it on Kindle. I go, yay! I was so right. excited. Right. They're going to review it too. Right. I don't know how good that is either. But how do you yeah. know you're getting the right amount? You can't because Amazon takes a chunk out of there. Like, whoa, the publisher, the printer, right. and somewhere publisher. So how do you do with that? And do you publish other authors or just yourself? Right. No, I, I published this. Well, I did three books with Ben Sobiak. I, I produced three of his books because he wrote three books in the Chase Baker series. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was as far as I'll ever go because, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, he, he's a good friend of mine. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't give those books the attention they deserve. Why? Because I concentrate on my own books. And this mm-hmm. is why, I, just like Ocean View, I can't stand it when one of the owners is an author. And I gotcha. had this problem also. I uh-huh. also had this problem with Polis books. And it's nothing against Jason Pitzer. I like the guy a lot. He's a terrific. He's helped me out mm-hmm. with advice, you know, and he's a, he's a really good guy, really good dad and all that. But he's an author, too. And I used to set and, – and my first agent even, first question I ever asked him, I was, you know, I was like 30. And I'm like, you're not an author, are you? He's like, no, 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 I'm strictly an agent. You know, that's, that's – you know, I don't touch that side of the business, you know, because I want to con- – I want to focus strictly on my clients, and that's what – sure enough, he goes out and writes his own book, sells it to Hollywood, and he tells me – he's like, oh, and by the way, I used one of your titles. I hope you don't mind because I keep a list of titles. I hope mm. you don't mind. And I was like, and then I kicked him in the balls. 
I'm just kidding. Well, you know I, just, I, did it, I know but, how you know. that feels. I wrote a book a long yeah. time ago. Because it was basically Sloppers Attack or Scrambled Eggs, What Describes Your Brain. And uh, I made I it up out of nowhere. Right. And I got an email right. from this nasty guy that said he had a trademark on my title. You, you can't trademark a title. That's not one. I said, you can't, trademark, you can't trademark my title. title. I said, it has nothing no. to do with your business. And he said, I'm going to sue you if you, if you use the title of my business as the title of your book. I said, I would give you credit and say, so-and-so said. I said, you know what the heck with you? I'll change one word. And he couldn't do anything yeah. about it. After, I was like, I can't believe it. And I called my publisher and I said, can they do that? Well, they didn't know too much about anything anyway. So I said, you yeah, know what? Yeah, most of them you, you just lost a big, big deal. And he actually bought the yeah. book and said it was good. So, I mean, yeah, yeah people do that. And I did um, a book on where, where the owner was the author. And yeah. he should have stuck to owning the company. Uh-huh. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Because that just I, – I, whenever – you get involved with a with, with, with a publisher who is also writes books or an agent who also writes books. It's just a recipe for disaster. No question about it. You know, because it's human nature that they're gonna. What are they gonna work on today? Like promoting their own book, or are they gonna promote yours? But I often wonder how these publishing companies decide what they want to publish. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't want to publish everything you write. And yet there were other New York Times authors oh, I saying, can, I can. why in heaven blazes do they want to publish that author? Again, how do they decide who's good enough? Like you said, they don't read everything. And that that it's could be a, lot a minus. It, a lot of it is politics. That's what I think. Um, a lot of it is politics. Mm. Um, and a lot of it is, unfortunately, even more recently, and I don't, I don't mean just personal politics. More recently, real politics. If they suspect for an instant that you're not a social justice warrior, that you're not woke, that you're a misogynist, you're done. You're completely mm-hmm. done with them. No question about it. Or if you've been accused of, uh, you know, like say, um, you know, doing something inappropriate with uh, mm. the opposite sex at a conference or something like that, um, mm. you're done in their eyes. Because the editorial boards now, you know, are made up of broke 20-something kids, you know, probably either living in, like, an apartment with, like, six other people or still living with their parents, or their parents have a lot of money, you know, and they are, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think they would read a Dick Moonlight book and and throw up, <laughs> to be honest, because he's so not woke, and he's, you know, so not, he's he's an old school, that's why I work with Down and Out Books on it, because they are strictly hard-boiled crime, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they're similar, similar to, like, gutter books that just, you know, this is not the land of the woke, you know, like, this is, this is, this is the land where, you know, you know, women are dames, and men are tough guys, and, you know, um, so... That's, I do believe that at some point the pendulum will swing again and this will mm-hmm. all become very popular again. But right now, 
This mm. is just the climate we live in. It's a climate of censorship. So, you know, mm. I, that's why I started Bear Media, because I'm like, all right, screw this. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, and I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And that is my mantra. Well, I, I I agree with you. You know, I'm learning a lot. I have nephews that are older than me in their 20s, much older than me. And, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point. Exactly. Good point. And one of them, I have to tell you, my nephew Josh is reading my book. It's the first time that they ever picked up one and said, I want to read it. Um, yes. I don't think that as an educator, I'm a reading specialist, that kids are reading. I don't think they're asked the right questions. And I don't think they're taught that reading is, is like opening up a whole other world. When I feel crappy, I read. That's right. But before That's I right. stop, tomorrow, this is going to be huge, I think. Um, the right. author of this book was accused of being a kingpin. He was in jail for 16 years on a crime he did not commit. He was framed. Uh-huh. Mark for Life by Isaac Wright, Jr. He's a criminal defense attorney that deals with people like himself that were wrongly accused. Special time, 1 o'clock, because that fit into his schedule. On Monday, the number one pain management doctor in Westchester, Dr. Sabrina Shu, will come on to talk about pain. I can't wait to get that. And then I have a wild panel of people you know on Wednesday. I have yes. Tim Aaron's. Bruce Coffin, Marilyn Levinson, and David Putnam talking about I have no idea whatever. And on Thursday, the number one cardiologist in California, Dr. Christina Laporte, dissection at 2 o'clock. And that's just part of it. And, of course, what better way to end the month but then with Matt Coyle on the 30th and Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child on the 26th. That's just so Beautiful. Beautiful. I you know, no I idea. love the way, I love the way, like you're kind of going all Joe Rogan with your, uh, with your podcast, friend, because you're starting to branch out not only from, just yeah. you, know, you know, authors, but you're branching out into interesting people, and yeah. interesting topics, because to me, uh-huh. that's why I started the Writer's Life because anything mm-hmm. because yeah. of, because I'm like anything is is fair game because. It all has to do with the life. I got bored very easily. <laughs> As a matter yeah, of fact, just to prove that I'm going to do my own thing, on the 25th, and this is really scary, my college professor from Lehman College, my reading professor, my very first one, we're going to do another seminar on January 25th at 10. We're going to talk about, um, he's going to tell me the assessment, and I'm going to tell him how I would remediate the child in reading. Oh, really? Scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the third one, and Dr. Gavudo keeps me on my toes. So there's one other area that you deal with. How do you decide what to put on your YouTube videos and what topics? Because I notice you do those just about every day or almost every day. Those are interesting. I do. I, if I skip a day, I skip one weekend day. Mm-hmm. I only do Saturday or Sunday. But if I skip a day during the week, it's just because mm-hmm. I'm overloaded with um, mm-hmm. a deadline or overloaded with um, with writing. Because I'm, I'm really into the Vela thing, the Kindle mm-hmm. Vela thing. So I, I need to post mm-hmm. every day with that. So, And that's a good thing. But uh, I, 
I, eat, I occasionally will write down a note about a topic, but usually mm-hmm. I just wing, usually I just wing it. I That's just fun. I sit down. I sit down at the computer. It's kind of like writing, you know. I just sit down and I go to create, and 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 I'm like, well, what should I talk about? I just talk about whatever's on my mind. And if worse comes to worse, mm-hmm. and I did this the other day, I did this the other day. Um, if worse comes to worse and I just can't come up with a topic that's good enough, you know, I've got like almost 600 videos already. Like I'll go back, wow. I'll revisit, uh, I'll revisit another top, a topic that I did like say two years ago or a year ago. Mm. And like, so I, I revisited the, the topic of luck again. And, but this video was different. It ended up being, um, it ended up being different from the first one because I I kind of went back through my career, mm. which goes which which went, I published my first newspaper article in 2000 or no, I published my first newspaper article in 1991 when I was in my mid 20s, right? So that's how far back mm-hmm. my career goes. Um, but I realized that like just about all the big breaks I've had, mm. just about all the big breaks had an element of luck involved, um, you know, like definitely hard work speaks for itself, no question about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, and also like, you know, I, I kind of, I made this, this allusion to, uh, do you remember the boxer Chuck Webner? Do you yeah. remember him, Chuck Web- yeah. Webner? And he, he was like, a, a, he was like 5'10 by 5'10, you know, white guy, um, working class guy, and remember, he would get the crap beat out of him for like 10 or 11 rounds, and he would bleed all over the place. He would just get mauled, but he would hang in there, and he would hang in there, and he would just exhaust the person he was fighting, and then inevitably, mm-hmm. he'd come out with like a left hook and put the guy down. And just, I, I remember seeing him box when I was like a, a little boy. My father took me to see him. Um, and it was just a bloodbath, right? But he won. And I guess eventually uh, they say that uh, Sylvester Stallone used him as a model for Rocky. Um, but my point in this whole thing being is that a writer will work and work and work and get bloody. Mm-hmm. You know, you bleed it, you bleed it, your typewriter. Um, but if you keep jabbing, you're eventually going to connect. Um, so there's that. And also there's usually an element of luck somehow that comes about. Like if I hadn't met Jimmy Vines back in 1999, there's no way I would have gotten that $250,000 deal with Delacorte. Um, If I hadn't met the right agent in 2005, there's no way I would have gotten my rights back from Delacorte, Mm -hmm. nor would I have met Chip, Chip McGregor, and I wouldn't have gotten those deals with Thomas and Mercer. And like, so I, I think, there's definitely an element of luck that you need, um, mm-hmm. but the harder you work, it, you know, like like that old cliche also, the harder you work, the more luck you're going to have, of course. The harder I work, the more my mother made me do more. She was never <laughs> yeah, well, she, she saw, she saw she the case. Yeah, my parents never worried. Yeah, she was, she was a task, taskmaster, yeah. No matter what I did, it was like, can you do more? Could you wrote five compositions this week. Can you write ten and go? No, I have to write five for the for my cousins next week. What can I say? <laughs> it's the yeah, truth. Yeah, you were doing. 
Yeah, you were probably doing everybody's homework. Actually, you're right. And I'm still doing everybody's homework, and I am yeah. totally excited that my niece finally passed respiratory therapy and microbiology, oh, and now we're waiting to get into the program after Hyrand helped her pass all the classes. So Don't if there's anything medical much. you want to know, I mean, I crack up laughing sometimes. But, yeah, oh my God. I know. The, you Sometimes you just sit there and you wonder, why am I doing this? And then you realize yeah. when you're writing a book like you do, or an author yep. like you, you're writing something that's going to make somebody's day. You're writing yeah, something I so. that's it, it, I, I just wait for them to come out. I mean, there's you and there's Dick Belsky. I love yeah. his work. And there's a yeah, few people great. that I won't, you know, that that I just do it as a favor because I'm a nice person. Of course, she's listening. Right. Marcia Castro Cook, she writes great too, and I love her yeah. ro- uh, romance um, and Cindy McDonald. But when you re- you write something with your heart like you do, or however you write it, I mean, right. it just it just makes my day. And I say, oh good, finally Vincent Andrews sent me something. Now I'm gonna put and I right. and I have the other. With all my runs the other day, when I read that, I had 25 books to read for an interview. And I said, the heck yeah. with this, I'm reading what I want. So how do you, exactly. you know, you just keep it going like an ever-ready battery. I mean, don't you ever yeah. get tired? I worry sometimes because when you went away, and that's why I said you got to tell everybody you're alive. I was told if you go to yeah. a foreign country, you got to let people know that you're not dead because it's dangerous sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. I need to put up a proof of life photograph sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, well, when I was when I was away, um, you know, I I really worked hard. I, I worked my butt off. But the problem with being away is the jet lag. Like when you go across the ocean, you know, you you, you forget that. Like you mm. you never as many times as I as I've experienced jet lag. I just never add that into the equation. Like you're going to get jet lag, you know, mm. like, and, and I, you know, and I go nuts and I hit the ground running and like, mm. eventually I'm like, all right, I got to take a nap. And the nap usually <laughs> I'll pass mm. right out, you know, but, you know, but I get through it and, you know, it's great writing in a foreign land and stuff like that. I think, um, I mean, I wrote, I was in April, I wrote in a four by four, Going cross country oh through, Tur- through Turkey, <laughs> it was it was crazy. It was just it was just crazy. Um, but no, I don't like it's right. It's like exercise for me. Like I never miss a day of exercise. I have to mm-hmm. be sick. I know. I in order that. to miss a day of exercise, and if I don't write, I don't feel right. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like it's it's when I was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I would escape to my bedroom, and my father would – and well, I would escape to my bedroom, and I would read. Uh, I would read a lot uh-huh. of comics, mm-hmm. and, and I would read, like, War of the Worlds and stuff like that, and Ray Bradbury, and I would just – and I'd bring up, like, a Sprite and, like, you know, like Doritos and stuff like that, and I would get in bed, and I would just escape, and that's what I want for my readers to escape. But what also when I'm writing, I'm like a reader. I'm escaping. Like the stuff I'm writing right now, the new Chase Baker, like I had I no wait. idea. I had no idea how it was going to turn out. Mm-hmm. And, and like stuff happened yesterday that I was like, oh, that is so cool. 
I love this. Maybe other readers won't like what I wrote, but I loved it, and it's entertaining me. So that, 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 that to me is what counts. And at the end of the month, I'll look at, like, my sales numbers on, you know, for, like, Vela and, and mm-hmm. the KDP platform platform and draft to digital or whatever and everything sells everything sells and so i'm like you know this is a no-brainer this is a no-brainer i'm creating all this intellectual property um Mm. that is fun to write it's fun to read um and i remember in writing school um i told them my goal was to entertain people and they just about like had a crap um they're like you you're we're not here to teach you to entertain people. We're here, we're here to teach you to to be profound and maybe to be hey. a college professor. You know, hey. yeah, maybe to be a college professor and 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 super. Yeah. You know, it, they couldn't. They could. They, the word entertainment should never even enter the lexicon. You know, and I'm like, well, I am. I'm going to be a professional writer and I'm going to entertain people. That's that's my. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm spending forty thousand dollars at that time mm. in the mid nineties. And. uh um, and I, you know, and, you know, I've, I've blown away, I don't, you know, I'm, all right, this sounds like I'm bragging, but I've blown away every single one of my professors, every single one of them. And, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they have to have jobs and stuff like that, you know, in order to survive. I, I can imagine. I was a writing coordinator for one year, and I don't think in 36 years that I taught that I ever asked a class to write my favorite color, what day of the week do I love, or who am I, ever. Nice. Nice. I mean, I I I know, I used to get in trouble because I came up with topics that were so insane that when I walked through the door, you know, a lot of classes when you come in, I didn't give the teacher a free period. I was just there because I was wonderful. (laughs) And I walked in, they would look at me (laughs) and go, and I would say, I'm here, and then they would get up and clap. I go, oh, you're really great. glad to see. Yeah, then, then I made them share and whatever and stars and whatever. But the the ordinary is boring. You're right. And when you're writing something, yeah. I mean, I know I read, I used to read when I was younger just to get away from my mother. So I didn't have to listen to her right. speeches about why I should read. And I never right. mind reading. But so what is, what, right. is, what is next? What am I getting next? And how many am I getting so I could put them in my pile? And... It, I don't know how you – how do you choose the title of a book? That's the hardest thing. Once you write the book, how do you decide that the title is going to grab the reader? Because sometimes I get yeah, titles uh, and I go, the title has nothing to do with the book. Where are you? Yeah, I, I don't always go with the first title that's in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I'm writing A New Moonlight, and uh-huh. it involves a construction It involves a construction company, so I was calling it Moonlight Destruction. Um, oh, but nice. then I discovered – but then I watched I the Maltese Falcon. I watched the Maltese Falcon, and I thought, mm. what if this what if this construction company finds like a whole bunch of artifacts under while they're digging the foundation on State Street in Albany that used to belong to the original Albany Institute of History and Art? And what mm-hmm. if the owner of the construction company steals one of these things? And he actually oh, nice. steals an Egyptian he steals an Egyptian falcon. And so I'm like. Oh, great. This is awesome. I get to write my own version of the Maltese Falcon. And I'm not mm. going to hide it. I'll I'll have a quote in the epigraph of the Maltese Falcon, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I like doing stuff like that. You know, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a throwback, you know what I mean? But it's my own story, of course. Um, 
So I think I'm going to call that Moonlight Falcon or something like that. And then uh, the Chase Baker is based on um, Lovelace's, uh, like, the Cthulhu and the Pier And, like, so apparently there was a an expedition that went down to the South Pole in 1931 and discovered these mm-hmm. pier, a, pier, a pyramid and also these structures that they say are millions of years old and that were constructed by an ancient civilization that has since disappeared, whether whether or not they came from another galaxy or whatever. Mm. But these people, these people could be responsible for humankind. And so I, this one's called Chase Baker and the Pyramid of Madness because, and the reason I call it the Pyramid of Madness is because it was documented that on this one expedition, Mm. The people who entered this, this pyramid literally went mad afterwards. After oh, what God. they discovered, after what they discovered inside. Um, so there's that. You'll get that. And then also the MetaMan series is being collected. Is being collected into um, an omnibus. You know, a, a box set. So it's like so. Oh, that's nice. what you'll get. Yeah, it'll oh, be better for you to get that. So it'll be. That'll be done next week, and then of course you get Moonlight Runs. Oh, good! Moonlight I'll Runs, have to read and then finally. you're gonna, right, and then you're gonna get Notorious Moonlight. Um, oh, good! And there's there's a few reprints coming out in March and April, um, and I don't know. I, that, that's all I can think of off the top of my head, and there's there's lots more, of course. Well, that's good because there are ten publishers that said they send books, and I'm still waiting for the post office to deliver them. Oh yeah. Very sad. Yeah, yeah I mean, figure. yeah, and and sometimes I go like, I hope the book gets lost, and you know the the problem is is I never say no, and right. I was very honored yesterday that Harper Collins. The children's department must have read something that I did a review in one of their you no know, children's books. They're sending me five more. Right. Oh, that's asking. awesome. I, I don't know how long. Well, yeah, children, children's books are my favorite. They only take me tw- a half an hour to read and write a review. So that's right. not a problem. But still, gosh, yeah. that's good. I'm going to have to make the, the my desk just for your books. All right. I cleared right. off that everything else. <laughs> At least I right. have something to great. read. So, and, you know, it, um, so long as you have fun. So long as you have fun. That's all. I, I, I just want you to have fun when you read my books. I, not only do I have fun, but I get to close the door and tell every well, my husband watches reads inside. I go like, please do not disturb, just leave me alone. <laughs> and then, and then if anybody rings my bell, I pretend that I don't know them and don't hear any right. of them, any of them, because you know they don't. Yep. A lot of people just don't read. That's what gets me. I mean, you go yeah. to the library. No. There is there's so much to choose from that how could anybody yeah. say? And they do. I've heard them say this. I don't know what to read. I go, well, why don't you sit down and make a list of the topics that interest you and research right. and find something right. that you read. And right. it, it, it's, it's sad. So where yeah. can we find yeah. out I mean, about I, your 1,000 books? Um, go to Vin, www.vinzandry.com, V-I-N-Zandry.com. Mm-hmm. Vinzandry.com. It's not vincentzandry.com anymore. It's vinzandry.com. Oh, and if you go there, <laughs> yeah, right. And if you go there, you also can sign up for a free thriller, um, uh, Moonlight Falls, and um, 
Also, I'm on all social media networks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Getter. Um, what else am I on? Anyway, I'm on all those. Uh, but just go to vinzandry.com and you get everything. Well, I don't, I don't, I, you know, something, I belong to Reddit. I've, I've never, ever, ever put a post on Reddit or Pocket. I used to put them on Dig because I review I once in a while for book pleasures. Does Dig normally, even exist anymore? And Reddit I can't get used to. Yeah, I don't know. Reddit I don't, I don't even bother with. Pocket I don't, and Dig is there. But I review for Norm Goldman in, in uh, book pleasures sometimes. And oh, I thank see. God I see. my Grammarly works because sometimes it doesn't. Ooh, and they don't right, like when right. you make them. Where else? Right. You can also you can also go to uh, Goodreads, I guess, too. But I don't keep up on the Goodreads like I should. I don't like Goodreads um, as much. Uh, yeah, I don't keep up with it the way I should. But I also there's my Amazon page, and I also like I also tell everybody just Google, you know, Vince Zandry or Vince Zandry or Vincent Zandry. Just Google it, and yeah. you'll find everything you need. Yeah, I, I I know. It's just like, um, and what bothers me is that a lot of people, I, on my last book, Population Zero, which, whatever, um, yeah. I got a whole bunch of nice reviews and I got a whole bunch of nasty ones, and I could tell that they didn't read them. And I did report it. Yeah. They do nothing. And I said, you know no, what, I don't, I don't even answer that. And then there was one on um, Amazon, and I knew it was a plant. I knew somebody yeah, told this person, well, yeah. Um, oh, the book isn't worth the paper. I said, well, and I didn't answer the person because I wouldn't allow myself to do that. But yeah, anyway, yeah. I'm I, don't, be I, don't doing, I don't know if you're in for the panel in February. I have no idea. I think yeah. I'm on for something. Yeah, okay, let me look. At, yeah, February 20th, right. February 20th, and we're doing something on something that that, that, that month. I have no idea what it is. Um, February 20th. Yeah. And I got March okay. too at some point. Uh-huh. Marsha's there. Marsha, no, she'll remind you. Don't worry. Hi, Marsha. Hi, Marsha. So, everybody, it's a beautiful day so, outside. It's freezing out uh, there. And if Fran ever bothered, she said hi. If Fran ever bothers hi. to wear a jacket, that would really be nice. And, um, yeah. <laughs> no, my husband just got over the flu, so he's surviving that. And he was very kind not to give it to me. Um, I don't know where you are, but it's 30 degrees here, <laughs> and I'm freezing. It's, uh, it's it's about 19 degrees here up in Albany, and I oh, went out Marcia. and took a jog. Took a jog in it. And you're going to start writing right now, right? I can feel it. I can tell in my bones I, you're going to write. I certainly Everybody, am. have a great day, Vince. This has been so much fun. Everybody, have it a has. great day, and bye. Thanks, friend. Bye, bye.